Shalom to all. Today's Davos Baba Kamen Daf Kufi test, the very last Daf of the Masechta. We're going to be starting about the second line with the quote from the Mishnah of Alam Yishem Repairs Fuchulu. And today's Daf sponsor, Lili Nishmas, Mars Mirim Sarabas, Riyakav Maisha, her Nishama should have an Aliyah. Alay Nishmas, Rabbi Yasef Yatib, Rabbi Asher Anshal, his Nishama should have an Aliyah. And in honor of the yard site of Rabbi Asher Zalak Chaim, Ben Rabbi Rucham Chanan Zalman, his Nishama should have an Aliyah. And he should be mainly to Asher for his family and all of Kla Yisrael. So Mishnah had said that a person is not allowed to buy wood or fruit from a fruit watchman because that doesn't belong to him, it belongs to Baal Bayez. Telling where tells the story, Rav Zaman Shabish to Marisa, Rav bought bundles of twigs from an artist from a sharecropper, and Rabbi Abayi asked him, how Tanamba says in our Mishnah of Lemishem Repairs to Etzim Repairs, that one is not allowed to buy wood or Paris from a Shem Repairs because it doesn't belong to him. So how could you buy it from a sharecropper? So Rabbi he told him, Hanami Lebishemer, that's only talking about a watchman, plus the Begufa Aramidi, he doesn't own anything in the land itself. He was just appointed to watch, and therefore he's not allowed to sell anything from the field. Well, artist, when we're talking about a sharecropper, the Isabagave, he does own something in the land. He gets a portion of the crop and even of twigs that come from the land. I mean, when the comes in, we say that he's selling something that belongs to him and not from the Baal Bayez. I think we're going to about it. We have a bride says, Shemir Peiros, watchman over fruit. We can buy from them when they're sitting and they have the basket of fruit in front of them and they have their Tritani, which is the scale in front of them. Because since they're selling in such a manner, obviously they're selling their own produce and not the Baal Bayez's. And Vakul and Sha'amru Hatmein Usr. However, in all these cases, if they tell the person who's buying it, you should hide it away. Don't let others see that you have it, so then it's us to buy from them, because obviously they're selling something that's stolen. Furthermore, you're only allowed to buy from them if it's at the entrance of the garden, but not if it's behind the garden, because then obviously they're trying to hide what they're doing. And the Gemara continues, it tomorrow stated, When is it permitted to buy from a goslin? Meaning this guy's a known goslin, and you want to buy stuff from him, when is it permitted? So Rav Rav says, It has to be the majority of the stuff that he has is his own, and not stuff that's stolen, and then you can assume that you're buying something that's not stolen. Shmuel says, even if the minority of what he has is his, you could assume that you're buying something that's his and not something that's stolen. Now, I relate Rav Yehuda Ada Daila, Rav Yehuda Paskin for Ada, who is a Daila, Ada was his name, and Daila is a Shamish of the Rabbanon, like the one that said, even though the miut of what this Gazlan has belongs to him, still you're allowed to buy from him. Another topic, the Gemara asks, Mama and Maser, what about money or things belonging to Maser, who's an informer? He tells on other Yidin to Gayim, and the Gayim take his money. So, who and Rav Yehuda, they argue about this, Chad Amar 1 says, Mutal Abdabiyad, you're allowed to destroy his money with your own hand. You're allowed to physically destroy his things. Bukhan number one says, Asal Abdabiyad, you're not allowed to destroy it with your hands. The one that says you are allowed to destroy an informer's property with your hands, that's because we don't want to say the mama of the informer is more hummer than his guf. We're allowed to kill an informer, that's his guf. So if we're allowed to kill him, of course we're allowed to destroy his money. The one that says you're not allowed to destroy it, that's because maybe he's going to have offspring that are good people. Uksivin, the Pasuk says, Yachin Rush of a tzaddik Yilbash, that the Russia repairs and the tzaddik wears. So even though he's a Russia himself, one of his offspring might end up taking his money, which is going to be a good thing. And therefore, you're not allowed to destroy his money. And the word tells Rav Chizda Havaleya who Arisa the Hava Tukal Yoyev Tukal Shakel. Rav Chizda had a sharecropper who would very carefully weigh out produce and give it to Rav Chizda, and then very carefully weigh out and take for himself. And Salker Rav Chizda got rid of him, and that's because he was so makbid about every single little bit, and he made sure that everyone received the precise amount. And according to some, he was even stealing. So that's why Rav Chizda got rid of him. And Karan Nafshi Rav Chizda said about this, but Safal Tzadik, Chel Chaytei. Stored away from the Tzadik is the wealth of the sinner. And this guy was considered a sinner to some extent, and Rechizda ended up taking his portion. So there's a similar passage to the one that we just quoted before, that a Russia prepares something and a Tzadik takes it. Now we're going to talk about what it's like when a person steals. The passage tells us, What's the hope of the hypocrite when he steals? Prashem will just cast his soul away. Now we have to explain what does this mean, his soul? Whose soul are we talking about? So Rechizda, they argue about this. Chana Marwan says, We're talking about the Nefesh of the Nigzal, of the one who was stolen from. And so 
we're saying the Pasuk's telling us that Hashem is going to cast away, meaning He's going to take away the nefesh of the Nigzal from the Gazlan because it's like the Gazlan stole his nefesh. In other words, like he killed him. Whereas Bechadam, where the other one says, Nafshesh Gazlan, we're talking about the nefesh of the Gazlan, meaning Hashem is going to cast away the soul of the Gazlan. And now we bring the support to both these Mad Amrim from different Psukim. Where does he get this from? Because the Pasuk says, Kain Archos This is the way of anyone who steals. As Nefesh Ba'al of Yikach, he takes the soul of its owner. So this is talking about the Nigzal. And Mad Amr Nafshesh Gazlan, according to that Mad Amr, he has a Pasuk to support him. Because the Pasuk says, Al Tigzal Kidalhu. Don't steal from a poor person because he's poor. And don't oppress a poor person in the gate. And the next Pasuk tells us, Ki Hashem Rivam, Hashem is going to fight their fight, Nafesh, and he's going to rob the soul of all of those who rob them. So this is obviously talking about the Gazlan. Ask more of Eidichnami, what about the other Manda Amar? Nefesh What does he do with this Pasuk of Nefesh Balavikach? So Gemara answers, My Ba'alav, what does it mean Ba'alav in this Pasuk? Ba'alav the Hashta, the current owner, which is referring to the Gazlan and not the Nigzal. Ve'idichnami, what about the other Manda Amar? Nafesh, what does he do with this Pasuk? So Gemara answers, Matam Kamar. The Pasuk's telling us a Matam. Matam What's the reason Hashem is going to rob from them? Mishum de Kavei Nefesh, because they stole another person's soul. I think Marketeers in a similar vein, Amar Yechon Rechon says, Kal Gazal's Chavei Shava Pruta. If a person steals from his friend, even a Shava Pruta, a tiny little bit, Kilu Netal Neshmasa Menu, it's as if he stole his Neshama from him. Shem because the Pasuk says, Kain Archos Kol Batza. This is the way of anyone who steals, as Nefesh Ba'al Vikach, he takes the soul of its owner. But I mean, another Pasuk says, Ba'acha Katsirch Ba'achmecha, and he's going to eat your harvest and your bread. The Gemara is missing a word in the Pasuk, Yoichlu Banecho Banecha. They're going to consume your sons and daughters. And we're understanding the Pasuk's telling us that when a person eats somebody else's harvest and bread, it's as if he's consuming the sons and daughters because the person doesn't anything to feed his children. But I mean, another Pasuk says, Mechamas B'nai Yehuda, from the extortion of the sons of Yehuda, Asher Shafchu Dam Naki Ba'artzam, that they spilled innocent blood in the land. And but I mean, another Pasuk says, Al Shal Vel Beis Hadamim, Al Asher Hemis Sagivainim, because Shal killed the Gavainim. So now the Gemara asks, My Va'imer, why do we have to have Va'imer? Why so many Psukim just to prove the same point that if somebody steals from somebody else, it's like he's killing him? So the Gemara answers, If you want to say only based off the first Pasuk, Nefesh Di Day, then when a person steals from somebody else, it's as if he's killing him, the victim, Aval Nefesh but it's not like he's killing his children. So therefore, Tashma, we have to have another Pasuk that says, Besar Banu Bnaisav, and that Pasuk shows as if he's killing the person's children as well. You might say it's only if he steals from the person, but he doesn't pay him for it. But maybe when he pays for it, it's not considered like he's killing the person. Tashma, that's why we bring another Pasuk, and the Pasuk uses the word Chamas, which is extortion, and that's stealing something and paying for it. But still, the Pasuk says, that they spilled innocent blood. If you want to suggest based off all of these psukim, that's only if he stole with his own hands. But if he caused it to happen, but he didn't do it with his own hands, you might say it's not like he's killing somebody. So Tashma, that's why we have the last pasuk that says, and that proves this point as well. And we clarify this. Where do we see this shawl kill the gvaynim? Shawl didn't kill the gvaynim with his hands. And the answer is, since shawl killed naiv, which was a city of kahanim, that the kahanim would give water and food to the Gavainim, and now the Gavainim lost their source of food because the Kaihanim were dead. So Malavakasim Kilu Hargon, the Pasuk treats it as if Shal killed him himself. I can think so in the Mishnah that we are allowed to buy certain things from women, and we don't have to suspect that they stole them from their husbands. And now we expound on this. Tanarban, we have a Braza. We can buy the following things from women. Woolen things in Yehuda, and linen things in Galil, but not wines, oils, or flour. That's because these are things that their husbands sell, and it's not normal for a woman to sell it. And if she's selling it, we have to assume that she stole it from her husband. Furthermore, we're not allowed to buy from slaves or from children. That's because they probably stole them from their masters or parents, and so we can't buy it. Now, Abishal, Imr Abishal says, A woman is allowed to sell four or five dinner worth of things in order that she can have enough money to make a head covering for
for her head. However, cool, in all these situations that you are allowed to buy from these people, Sha'amru, if the person said Lahatman, that you should hide it away so people don't see Usr, so it's Usr to buy from them, because then you have to assume that it's stolen. The Brazil continues, Gabait Staka Lakham and Muat. A Gabait Staka is allowed to take a small donation from a woman, of a Ruba, but not a very large donation from a woman. We assume that the husband is okay with his wife giving away a small amount of money, but not a large amount of money. Furthermore, of Abadadin, those that own oil presses, Lakhan Mehen Zaysim Mida, Vishan Mida, one's allowed to buy a large amount of olives or a large amount of olive oil from their wives, because their wives are not going to steal such a large amount. Of Allah Yuzaysim Bemuat, Vishan Bemuat, one's not allowed to buy a small amount of olives or oil from their wives, because that small amount might be stolen. Now, Rashim Gamliel, Rashim Gamliel says, Lakhmi Nashim Zaysim Bemuat, not Bemayid, but Bemuat, one is allowed to buy small amounts of olives from women, Begal Ha'elyon, in the upper Galil, that's because even a small amount is very precious and expensive, and they didn't steal it from their husbands, and the only reason why they're selling it is because sometimes a person is embarrassed to sell it right by his house, and so he gives it to his wife for her to sell, and that's why we don't have to suspect that she stole it. And now a story about a Gabit Zedaka receiving something from a woman, Ravina Ikel Bemachaiza, Ravina was a Gabit Zedaka, he visited Bemachaiza, and Asu Nashi Bemachaiza, the women of Bemachaiza came, Ramu Kamei Kavli Vishayrei, they gave him golden chains and bracelets for Tzedaka, and called Minayu, he accepted it from them. Amalai Rabbi Tosfal, Ravina, Rabbi Tosfal told Ravina, but we have a brass that says, a Gabit Saka is only allowed to take something small from a woman, not something which is very expensive or a lot of money. And this is a lot of money. This is golden chains and bracelets. So Amr he told him, These things from Bnei Machaiza are considered very small. That's because they're very wealthy. So some golden chains and bracelets aren't really considered much, and that's why I'm allowed to take it from these women. And on to the last mission of the Masechta. The little bits of wool that the launderer takes out after he finishes laundering the clothing, that belongs to him. That's because the owner is not but on these small little bits, and therefore the kaivis launderer is allowed to keep them. However, that which the comer takes out, those belong to the balabayas. What's this referring to? So after wool garments were washed, they would shrink. So they were hung up on hooks, stretched out, and there was a special person who would teasel it or comb it and fluff off the garment and make it very nice. So this syrek, this teaseler or this comer, he would end up pulling off large amounts of wool, and that's when the balabayas is makbed on, so he's not allowed to keep that. The mission continues. The launderer is allowed to take three threads, which are coming out the bottom of the garment, and those belong to him. Yes, we're kind of more than that. They belong to the Baal However, if it was a black thread on a white garment, so he's allowed to take all the black threads and they belong to him. That's because they ruin the look of the garment. It's supposed to be white and not have black threads coming out the edge. If a tailor was given materials to sew a garment and he left over a strand of thread which is long enough to sew with, or a piece of cloth that's at least three by three fingers, they belong to the Baal and not to the tailor. Whatever the carpenter shaves off with a matzad, which is like a small tool, that belongs to him because these shavings of wood are not really so big. However, whatever he ends up chopping off with a hatchet or an axe of sorts, that belongs to the Baal because those are very large pieces. However, if he's working with the Baal meaning he's working on the Baal property and he's hired for the day and not by the job, so that's the proper girsa, not nisarm, but even the sawdust that he shaves off belongs to the Baal and nothing belongs to the carpenter. Now the Gemara quotes a brisa similar to the Mishnah. One is allowed to buy small bits of wool from the kaivis from the launderer. As we said in our Mishnah, they belong to him because the Baal is not makbed on these small bits of wool and therefore you're allowed to buy them from the launderer. And the brisa continues, The kaivis, the launderer, can take the two upper threads of the garment and they belong to him. And He's allowed to sew more than three stitches into the garment and this is the stitches that he's making for the loops that he's going to use to hang the garment when he stretches it. Remember we said that after laundering it, he has to stretch it, so he makes loops to hang the garment to stretch it, so each loop is not allowed to have more than three
three stitches. Furthermore, when the comber combs the garment, he's not allowed to comb it vertically. El Ervai, he's only allowed to do so horizontally because when he does it vertically, it pulls off too much wool. And furthermore, he's only allowed to even it out along its length, but not its width. As referring to trimming the garment or the piece of cloth, if it wasn't even, so he's only allowed to trim it on the length side, but not on the width side. And furthermore, if when he's trimming to make it even and smooth, he has to cut off pieces all the way up until the size of a tefach, he's allowed to do so. Something where I analyze the Brysa in light of the Mishnah. Omar, we had just said the Brysa, Shnei Chutin, that he's allowed to take the two upper threads that are coming out of the garment, but that's Mashmi's not allowed to take three. As the Gemara of but we learn in our Mishnah, Shalash, that he's allowed to take three threads that are coming out of the top of the garment. So the answer is like, Hashem, no problem. Habalime, this Brysa says he's only allowed to take two threads, is talking about thick ones. Habaktine, in our Mishnah, it says he's allowed to take three threads, is talking about thin ones. We continue with another question. We had said in the Brysa, that when he combs the garment, he's not allowed to do so vertically, only horizontally. Ask the Tanya Epcho, we have the Brysa that says the exact opposite. He's only allowed to do so horizontally and not vertically. So the answer is like, Kasha, no problem. Habaglima, habasarbala. Our first Brysa that says he's not allowed to comb it vertically because it pulls off too much wool. That's talking about a glima, which is usually translated as a cloak, but it's really just referring to a garment that's worn every single day. And therefore, it wears the garment down too much when he pulls off so much wool. So therefore, when it's just a regular everyday garment, he's not allowed to comb it vertically. It has to be done horizontally. But the other Brysa that says he only is allowed to do it horizontally is talking about a sarbala, a fancy garment of sorts that's not worn all the time, and the owner actually wants the wool to be pulled out a lot because it makes it look nicer to some extent, and even though it wears it out quicker, still the owner of the garment wants it to look like this, and that's why there's no steer in the brises. Oh, can you explain the brises which had said that when he's sewing the loops in order to hang the garment to stretch it, each loop is not allowed to have more than three stitches. Now, Barry Rabiumia asks, what does that mean, a stitch? Putting the needle in and then pulling it back out, is that considered one, and therefore he'd be allowed to do that three times, in, out, in, out, in, out. Or maybe putting it in and then pulling it back through the garment, that's considered two. And therefore, he's only allowed to put it in, pull it out, and then put it in again. And that's three. And the Gemara concludes, Teku, let it stand. We're going to have to wait for Eliyahu to come and answer it. And the Gemara continues with this Brysa, asking another question. The Brysa had said, that when he trims the garment to make it smooth, he's only allowed to trim it on the length side, but not on the width side. As the Gemara we have a Brysa that says the exact opposite. That when he's trimming the garment to make it smooth, he's only allowed to trim the width side, but not the length side. So the answer is like, Kasha, no problem. Our Brysa, which had said that he's trimming the length to make it smooth, that's talking about a glima, again, which is like a cloak or a coat of sorts, and when it's worn, you can see the length, meaning you can see the bottom of it, and that's why you want to make it smooth. However, the other Brysa is talking about a hemyone, which is a belt, and a belt, you only see the width part of it, and that's why we're going to trim the width and not the length. And the Gwar continues on a we have a Brysa that says, One is not allowed to buy little bits of wool from a Syrik from this comer because they don't belong to him, they belong to the Baal However, if the place where the customer, the minig is, that they do belong to him and the Baal is not Makbid, so we could buy these little bits of wool from him. And if Chalmak in all places, even if it's not the minig, to let them have these small bits, one is allowed to buy from him a pillow full of these bits or a mattress full of these bits. And my time, why is that? Because Kaninu Bishinoi, he was already kind of them Bishinoi, even though he stole them and he wasn't allowed to have them, since he made them into a pillow or into a mattress, so that's a Shinoi, and therefore he was kind of them with that Shinoi, and that's why you're allowed to buy it from him. I think Mark teaches something similar to Narbanu Evabraiso, and like Migardi, one is not allowed to buy the following things from a weaver. Light irin, not wool stoppers, vlay nirin, and not heddles, vlay punkalim, and not tapestry bobbins, vlay shiripakiyas, and not leftover spools of thread, and that's because all these things, which we don't really know what they are, because we're not really weavers nowadays, and even people who are weavers probably have machines that do the work for them, and they don't do it by hand. So if you want to know what these are, you should probably open up a picture book of sorts, but either which way, all these things are not allowed to be purchased from the weaver himself, because they belong to the Baal Bayis, and not to the weaver. However, avalaychmahan begin menomer, you could buy a spotted garment from them, and that's because even though this garment is probably made from a whole bunch of little pieces that he 
he stole, and that's why it's spotted. It has this color and that color, but nonetheless, he was kind of bishinoi because he sewed them into a garment. And furthermore, Erusi, you could also buy the horizontal and the vertical threads from him. And Tavo, you could buy spun threads from him, the Arig, and you could buy woven cloth from him. And that's because all these had to go through a shinoi, and since he was kind of bishinoi, you're allowed to buy it from him. However, asked the Gemara, Ami, they said, Hasha Tavo Shakli, if you're allowed to buy spun thread from him, Army Baya, do we even have to say that you're allowed to buy a woven cloth from him? How do you weave a cloth? Well, first you have to spin the thread, and then you could weave the cloth. Of course, he was kind of a shinoi. He already did a shinoi to the thread when he spun it. So there's no chiddush to say that you're allowed to buy a woven cloth from him. That's obvious. So my answer is no. What's the chiddush? My arig. What's the arig? The woven cloth that we're talking about over here. TK, it's talking about woolen chains that were made from wool that was not spun. And the chiddush is that it's still considered a shinoi because it was made into a chain of sorts, even though the thread wasn't spun. And the Gemara continues to we have a brisa. One is not allowed to buy the following things from a professional dyer. Not tester pieces of wool, which is when a person brings his wool to the dyer, the fellow will cut off a piece of wool and dip it in the dye to test to see if it's a good color. And the Baal Bias is not mafkir that, but often he forgets it by the dyer. And so the dyer is not allowed to keep it, so you're not allowed to buy it from him. Furthermore, not a sample. Often the person who wants his wool dyed will bring a sample of what color he wants, and sometimes he'll forget it there, but again, he's not mafkir it, and he wants it back, so the dyer's not allowed to sell it, and that's why you can't buy it from him. And also, not torn off bits of wool, because the Baal is mocked about that. But you could buy the following from them, a whole garment which is dyed, spun threads, and the proper gears of the following is and proper garments that were made from different samples that were left there. And again, that's because all these went through a shinoi, so the person was kind of a shinoi. So Tanakh asked a similar question that we asked before. Hasha Tavi Shakoil, if you're allowed to buy spun threads because they went through a shinoi, well, begadim baya, do we have to say that you're even allowed to buy garments? Of course they went through a shinoi. First the wool had to be spun into a thread, and then the thread was made into a garment. So of course it went through a shinoi. Why shouldn't you be allowed to buy it? What's the chiddush? Where answers my begadim? What are the begadim that we're talking about over here? Nimti. It's felt garments. That's basically just wool pressed together, and that means that the wool was not spun. And the chiddush is, even though the wool wasn't spun, this is considered a shinoi, and you're allowed to buy it from him. I think market team is something similar. Tana Rabban, we have a brisa. Nice and if a person gives animal hides to a tanner to tan for him, so the trimmings of the hides and little torn off bits from the hides, those belong to the owner because he's makbed on them. However, the proper grisa is little bits that come off of the hide when it's washed in water, that belongs to the tanner and not to the Baal Bayas. I think Mark is explaining the Mishnah, we had said that if the kaivet, the launderer, takes out black threads from a white garment, he's allowed to take out even more than three because they ruin the look of the garment. Now I'm reviewing the, review the comments on our launderer that we're talking about over here. Katsra Shmei, the Katsra Shakole. A launderer in Aramaic was called a Katsra. And why is he called that? Because that's what he takes for himself. Namely, he's Mikatser the garment because he takes little threads that are sticking out of it. So that's why he's called a Katsra, someone who shortens something. And now another member from Rav Yehuda, Amr Yehuda, Rav Yehuda says, Hakal everything counts for the Tcheles. But my son Yitzchak is Makbut about this. So we know that when a person is tying tzitzis onto a garment, the first knot has to be a certain distance from the edge of the garment. So Rav Yehuda is telling us over here, is that the tcheles, which is really referring to the tzitzes, when it's being tied onto the garment, all the different threads that are sticking out of the garment are considered as part of the garment, and therefore, he has to make a cheshbin of where to start tying his tzitzes. And again, that's even though there's just a few threads sticking out of the garment, still they're considered part of the garment. However, if Yudah concludes a statement by saying that Yitzchak's son is makbid in regards to these different threads that are sticking out, and he makes sure to pull them out of the garment before he starts tying tzitzes. Okay, can you explain? If a tailor was given the materials to sew a garment, and he left over enough thread to sew with, so that belongs to the Baal Bayas. So Gemara asks, for Kamalitvar, how much is enough thread to sew with? Amar Vasi Rasi answers, the amount of a needle, meaning a needle's length of thread, and more than that. So we by the following question, when we say do we mean another needle's length of thread, which means that he has to leave over a total of 
two needle lengths of thread in order to say that belongs to the Balabayas. Maybe he means that the amount of thread that has to be left over is a needle's length of thread. And when he says he just means a little bit of thread beyond that. So when he says Tashma, the time of Brisa, it says, Let's say a tailor left over a bit of thread and it's less than the amount that one can sew with. Or he left over a piece of cloth that's less than three by three fingers. If the Balabayas is Makbid about these things, so he's belong to the Balabayas because he's Makbid. But in Balabayas Makbid Alein, if the Balabayas is not Makbid about them, then they belong to the tailor. So here's our analysis. If Ravmasi meant to say a needle's length and Chutzlamachat means a full needle's length as well, meaning two full needle's lengths of thread have to be left over, so we can understand the Balabayas would be Makbid on even less than that. Even less than this amount of thread is still useful for stitching a loop to the edge of the garment. And again, that's why the Balabayas would be Makbid on it. But if we want to say Ravasi meant and a little bit more than that, and that's how much thread has to be left over, what would less than that be usable for? Less than this amount is just a needle's length of thread, and you can't do anything with that because once you pull the needle through the garment, you only have the length of the needle, so you can't turn the needle around and put it back into the garment because you don't have enough thread. And so why would the Balabayas be Makbid on that? So El Shmami No, we learn from here, it must be the Ravasi said, the Chutzamachat he was referring to was another Mloimachat, a full needle's length of thread. In other words, if the tailor leaves over two full needle lengths of thread, that belongs to the Balabayas and not to the tailor. How we can explain the mission? We had said, and we discussed different types of shavings and pieces of wood that the carpenter cuts off, and if those belong to him or if they belong to the Balabayas. So now the world brings a seeming steer between our mission and Abraisa, over a minute, ask steer from Abraisa. The Abraisa tells us, whatever wood shavings the carpenter removes with this Matzad, or he cuts off with a Megera with a saw, belongs to Balabayas, whatever sawdust comes out from other than Magdeach, which is a drill, or from underneath a plane, which is another woodworking type of tool, or sawdust that comes out because of the saw, that belongs to him, meaning to the carpenter. Now the problem is, our Mishnah had said that whatever the carpenter cuts off with the matzad belongs to him and not to the owner. So we have a seeming steer between our Mishnah and this Brisa. So Moreover, Rav answers, in the place of our time, meaning the time of our Mishnah, there's two different types of chopping tools. The large one is called a kashil, an axe or a hatchet, and that's the word that we use in our Mishnah, and the smaller one is called a matzad. But in the place of the other time, the time of the Brisa, there's only one tool, which is the larger one, and that's called a matzad, and therefore when our Mishnah says that whatever comes off from the matzad belongs to the carpenter, that's referring to a small tool that cuts off very small pieces, and that's why it belongs to the carpenter. When the Brisa is talking about a matzad, that's talking about a large tool, and therefore cuts off large pieces, and that's why it belongs to the owner and not the carpenter. Now explaining the last part of the mission, we had said if he was working by the Baal for the Baal and he was getting paid as a day worker, then even the sawdust, meaning the tiniest bit that comes off the wood, belongs to the owner and not the carpenter. And the Gemara tells us, we have a people who smooth out stones, they chisel them to prepare them for building. There's no issue of stealing over there, meaning they're allowed to keep those chips. And Mephaski Lanois, tree pruner, those who are cutting off extra branches. And Mephaski Gafanim, grapevine pruners. And Menachfei Hige, those who prune thorn brushes. And Menachshei Zraim, those who take weeds out of grain. And those who prune vegetables. If the Baalabais is Makabit about them, in other words, they don't want these people to keep these trimmings. So yes, Behem Shem Gazel, there is an issue of stealing over here. Whereas in Baalabais Makabit Alein, if the Baalabais is not Makabit about them, so all the things that they pruned or trimmed belong to them. And lastly, the Gemara concludes, Amr of Yudah Yudah says, Kshos v'chazes ein behen mishum gazel, hops which are used for flavoring beer, and chaziz which is unripe grain that's still green, there's no issue of gazel, that's because the property owner where these things are found is not mocked about these things because he has no use for them. However, Ba'asr the Kapti, yes, Behem Mishum 
Gazel. If he's mocked about them, so then there is an issue of Gazel, and you're not allowed to take these things. And Amar Ravina, Ravina says, Umas Machasya Asukaptihu. Umas Machasya is a place where they are mocked. That's because they have a lot of animals, and these things are good animal fodder, so that's why they're mocked about them. And therefore, Umas Machasya, you would not be allowed to take these things. Hajar Alcha Gazel Basra Usliklo Maseches Babakama. Malstar for finishing the entire Maseches Babakama together, just like we're going to finish this Maseches together. We should be going to finish all of Shas together. Of course, we're going to stop here for the day and pick up tomorrow with a brand new Maseches. Well, Matsia, for now, everyone should have a wonderful day.